Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from multiple locations in the San Gabriel Valley of sunny Southern California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead people to Jesus, a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you and opens your heart and inspires you to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Hey, Real Life Church, it's Pastor Jim. It's good to be with you again. God bless you all. Uh, Looking forward to our big Halloween party Sunday night. Thank you for all of you who have volunteered. It takes dozens and dozens of volunteers to make that happen. Thanks to all of you who have brought candy. It takes thousands and thousands of pieces of candy just to make me happy, much less all the kids. And uh, thank you for all of you uh, who are bringing friends because I've seen you inviting online and appreciate you always sharing our stuff on social media and making sure word gets out. Looks like it will be a great party once again. Uh, and make sure you say thank you to Stacy Travisano for all the work she's put into overseeing this and make this happen. Uh, Real Life exists to lead people to Jesus, and we do so as a community of grace with a God-sized vision for every generation. We always have our eyes on this up-and-coming generation and things like this, parties like this, are a great way that we show uh, people in our neighborhoods that we're a, a fun place to be, uh, that we're good neighbors, and that we love people. And so thank you all for for helping to make that happen. Today, we're going to continue in our series of teachings on the Gospel of Luke. We're looking at the identity of Jesus because clearly Jesus had been a surprise to Luke. Clearly, God was not who Luke thought he was going to be when he showed up on the scene. And so from the very beginning of Luke's Gospel, we see over and over again, Jesus is surprising those who thought they had God figured out. And we're going to see some more of that today. Uh, Take a minute and let's pray. God, I thank you that uh, you love us and that you call us into your presence. You call us into life with you and you call us out of brokenness and confusion, out of both sin and legalism, and you give us freedom in you. And so God, I ask that that freedom would spread, that as we seek your will for our lives, as we listen for your word, that the freedom that comes from knowing you would spread. We pray these things in Jesus' name and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. All right. So remember, we looked at the sort of the the second act of Luke. The first act is the the Christmas story and Jesus' baptism. And we're going to go pick that up in December because that's what you do as a church. And today, today we're in the middle of act two. The curtains open and Jesus is speaking to the synagogue in Nazareth. And remember, he says, I finally arrived. I'm the one you've been waiting for. And they get really mad at him and they go to, to toss him off a cliff. And that's his opening act, right? That's how, that's how he first appears on the scene. And so the people in his hometown didn't recognize him for who he was. He was just somebody familiar. Uh, and they didn't see God when he stood in front of them. So today we're going to continue in Luke chapter 4. And you'll see again that Luke has in the back of his mind this idea that God is a surprise that when God shows up on the scene, he's not who you think he would be. And those who have become familiar with Jesus because they grew up around him, they're missing who he is. They're missing uh, his message and what he's bringing to them. So we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 4 at verse 31 and watch how that theme continues. Follow along in your Bibles and listen to God's word. Then Jesus went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath, he taught the people. 
uh, this was his common practice. Every Saturday, he was in the synagogue and he would teach. And Capernaum was really kind of his home base. He never traveled in his life, never traveled more than about 30 miles away from there. He taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. Now, when you read the Bible, this is a little uh, 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 take-home tip for your daily Bible reading. There's a couple things you want to do. One, you want to read larger chunks of the Bible so that you understand the context of individual texts. A lot of us get in the habit of reading a sentence here or a sentence there, and we do what Dallas Willard called taking a shower with one drop of water every five minutes. It's not a very effective way to shower. And reading just a little sentence out of the Bible here and a sentence there is not a very effective way to read the Bible because you lose the greater context. So there's two things that we need to do when we study the Bible. One, we need to pay attention to the larger context in which a text appears because the context sets the text up for us. And secondly, we need to pay attention to repetition. When Jesus repeats himself, when the gospel writers quote him as repeating himself, they're calling attention to something that they really want us to see. And in Luke chapter 4, you'll see that Luke mentions Jesus' authority three different times. And two different times he talks about the Holy Spirit resting on Jesus. So the authority of Jesus is at the heart of this, this, this opening act, this act two where Jesus first steps on the scene of his public ministry. The first thing in question is his authority. And so at first they're impressed because they hear him teach and he teaches as one with authority. Verse 33, in the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So who's the first person who recognizes Jesus? The people of Nazareth don't. They go, oh yeah, he's just a carpenter's son. We knew, I changed that kid's diapers. He's nobody impressive. The, the first person to identify him, to recognize him, is actually a dark spiritual power. And this is why the context of the passage is important. Prior to Jesus speaking in Nazareth, he's tempted by Satan in the wilderness. After preaching in Nazareth, where he's not recognized, he goes and he casts out demons who recognize him and say, I know who you are. You're God's chosen one. You're God's holy one. So, so the passage in which Nazareth rejects Jesus is bracketed on either side by dark spiritual powers recognizing who he is. So, so what Luke wants us to see is a lot of people didn't recognize him. The people who knew him didn't recognize him. The Pharisees who knew everything about God, knew their Bibles inside out, they didn't recognize him. But you know who did? The actual powers and principalities of the world knew that God had come to earth, that God had stepped on the earth. So Luke's subtle warning to us here is don't miss it. Don't be so familiar with Jesus that you miss who he is. Uh, it's kind of like the experience a lot of dads have. I'm a dad. I know how this experience is. You can go to work and you can have tremendous successes. You could be a CEO of a corporation. You could be changing the world. You could have a multinational company. Everybody knows your name. And you get home at the dinner table and your kids will still say to you, that's a dumb joke, dad. You're not funny. Right? If I had a nickel, it, it doesn't matter what you do out there in the world. The people most familiar with you will take you for granted. Right? 
It's, it's a dad experience, probably a mom experience too. I'm just talking from my own experience. It's a dad experience. You're not funny, dad. And, and so the people of Nazareth are having that experience with Jesus. Uh, we know who he is, who cares? And there's a risk that you and I fall into a place where Jesus just becomes familiar to us. We treat him like dad. Sure, he loves us, but what good is that in the real world? Sure, he spent a lot of time praying, but I don't really have time for it. Sure, he went around healing people, but I don't expect him to show up and do that today. It's just Jesus. I kind of already know who he is. Luke is warning us, don't be like Nazareth, who didn't recognize him, when the, the dark principalities of the world knew who he was, right? So this is why the context of our reading is so important. It sets us up to understand the message of the gospel writer. Okay, verse 35, Jesus now responds to this, this demon who's identified him. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly, come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. Uh, when Jesus uh, pulls bad things out of your life, he does it for your good, not to harm you. All the people were amazed and said to each other, what words these are? With authority, there it is again, with authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Jesus left the synagogue. Okay, so watch what he does now. He's cast out demons and now he does, he does the second half of, of act two. Act two consists of two movements, two actions. In the first one, he throws out demons. Here's the second one, verse 38. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. This is Peter, one of his disciples. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. Uh, Peter is the only one of the disciples that we know was married, and it's because of this event. Uh, Jesus goes and heals his mother-in-law. His mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. He got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each of them, he healed them. Does it say only really bad illnesses? Does it say uh, he, he didn't bother with the small ones? Every, all illnesses were brought to Jesus, and he healed all of them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. So he's, he's cleaning house in two very different ways. When Jesus shows up on the scene, his first action is to clean house. Uh, he wants to clean house spiritually, casting out dark things, and physically healing the sick. And, and for Luke, all of this says this shows his authority. This shows his identity. If the people of Nazareth missed it, if the Pharisees and religious leaders missed it, look at what he did. The first thing that he did was to show up on the scene and to clean house physically and spiritually. And you and I should realize that when we recognize who Jesus is, he wants to do exactly the same thing in us. Jesus sets out to clean house spiritually and physically in our lives. Let me show you a little of, of what that does, uh, what that means. Jesus cleans house spiritually by, by purifying things in our life that have gone awry. And, and you know, I don't talk a lot about <coughs> demonic things. I'm not obsessed with that topic. But it's Halloween week, so I guess, uh, you know, I get to. Um, this is the first thing Jesus is known for in his life. He was an exorcist. And whatever you do or don't believe about that, that's very clearly what the text says. 
in our rationalistic post-enlightenment world, we're often taught, or it's implied to us, that that's just the way people thought a long time ago. They were superstitious. They didn't know how to describe mental illness, and so they just used this flowery, metaphorical language of demons that we've outgrown. But that's plainly not the sense of the text. The text clearly so shows Jesus interacting with sentient beings that somehow possess or follow people around, and he clearly casts them out. There's no intention that we pick this up as a metaphor. This is a literal event in the life of Jesus. Uh, I grew up not really believing in those kinds of things. I thought that, oh, that was all just superstitious uh, nonsense. But in my, in my years as a pastor, I've been called to people's houses, I think six different times, where they were witnessing apparitions or they saw shadows walking around in the hall. And I've, I've told you some of those stories in years past. If you've been a regular here, if you followed the podcast at reallife.la, you've heard me uh, say these things. Uh, and every time I tell a story like that, somebody from the congregation comes up afterwards and says, that happened to me too, but I've never told anybody because I didn't want anybody to think I was crazy. This is what Jesus does. He shows up on the scene and he clears house spiritually because there really are dark spiritual things in the world that, that wish us ill. Because it's Halloween week, I'll pause on this for a minute. I'll talk about it a little bit more than I usually do. Um, this is the right way to think of these things. This is the right way to think of the de demonic. There, there are two different images that I go to. One, these things are like a, a spoiled two-year-old throwing a tantrum. When a parent tells a two-year-old, go to your room, the two-year-old has to go because the parent has the authority to send the child. The child can throw a tantrum on the way, but the child is going because the child has no authority to object. When you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus has placed in you his authority. Luke is at pains in this chapter to say, when Jesus showed up, he showed up with authority. When you believe in Jesus, Jesus' authority rests in you. And if you ever get that sense that things just go, are going wrong in your life, or I've heard people say, I feel like I'm just cursed because bad things keep happening. If you ever experience things in your life that just feel wrong, pray. And pray this way. Pray, Jesus, please uh, protect and watch over me and my family and my home as I pray. And in the name of Jesus, if there's any dark things here, get out. And you have absolutely every authority to do that if you believe in Jesus, because Jesus' authority rests in you. And you, like a parent, can send the child out. That's the authority that you have. Secondly, the right way to think of these things is like um, rats that are attracted to garbage. If you have garbage uh, out in your garage, you will eventually get rats. They're attracted to it. And demons are a lot like rats, and they're attracted to garbage. And often that garbage comes from deep and old wounds in our lives that have never been healed, from tragedies and traumas that have made us bitter or angry or afraid, and they, they become like a wound that is infected. And effect, infected wounds will attract germs. Garbage will attract rats. Now, when you pray that they go away, they have to. But if you don't clean up the garbage, new rats will come. That's what rats do. And so in our lives, when we seek to be restored and made whole, it's important to pray that dark things go away, but then we also have to deal with the garbage that they're attracted to. And so often what that means is 
praying, first of all, that Jesus would heal deep wounds in our hearts. And that might mean talking to a friend or to a counselor or to a pastor about some deep and old wounds that need healing. Sometimes we just need to receive God's love in ways we didn't think we were entitled to. Once we do that, once we commit ourselves to Jesus and invite him to heal us, we then invite the Holy Spirit to take root in our hearts, to, to set up shop in our hearts. And then what happens is when the Holy Spirit moves in, it hangs up a sign in the window that says no vacancy. The Holy Spirit does not want roommates. And so once the Holy Spirit moves in, there's no room for anything dark to move in because it's, it's taken up the space there. Uh, rats can't come back because we're getting rid of the garbage and the Holy Spirit moves in and says, this is mine now. So we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives to fill us and to guide us, to speak to us and to lead us. And then we go about building preventative measures so that we don't get garbage built up in our lives. We seek to live holy lives, not because we're self-righteous, but because holiness is healthiness and we wanna be healthy. So we seek to live by the teachings of Jesus and to live lives of love, dedicated to God and dedicated to loving other people. Because when you do that, there's no room for garbage in your life. And that's how Jesus dealt with these kinds of things. And that's how Jesus would have us deal with these kinds of things. And Luke wants us to see when Jesus shows up on the scene, the Nazareth, the Nazareth didn't recognize him. Pharisees didn't recognize him, but the dark forces of the world recognized him and he had authority over them and he tossed them out. So if you ever get to that place in your life where it feels like things are just going wrong too often, pray, tell dark things to go away and invite the Holy Spirit in. Jesus cleans house spiritually, and then he goes in and cleans house physically. He goes and heals Simon's mother-in-law. He casts out illness. Uh, and in fact, it says he heals all the illnesses of people who came to him. And Jesus wants to do that in us as well. Uh, and we've talked about that here. And every time we've seen stories of healing at our church, we've shared those stories. And those are amazing and exciting. But it's really just a matter of letting Jesus set things right in our life again. Realizing that, that he has authority to bring his kingdom into our world. And in his kingdom, there's no sickness. Sickness doesn't get to last. It doesn't get to have a voice. And so we invite Jesus to come in and heal our, our souls and heal our bodies. And it's exactly what he wants to do. And, and you have absolutely every right and freedom to pray for healing in your life. I've met so many people who struggled with illness and sickness and just never prayed because they thought they didn't deserve it or because they thought God was too busy with other things. Jesus loves us and wants us to be whole. And when he first, when he first stepped into public ministry at the opening of the curtain, what he does is he cleans house. He cleans house spiritually and he cleans house physically. And that is, uh, that is what uh, Luke intends to lay out for us right here at the beginning. Now, pay attention there's something important that Jesus does here at the end of the chapter. Uh, he says at verse, verse 42, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. He went out by himself first thing in the morning. The people were looking for him, and when, he came, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. So your soul and my soul work like a battery that needs to be charged. And, and, and our souls have to be charged by resting in the presence of Jesus. 
If Jesus had to spend time in prayer, then certainly you and I do. I think that was actually the source of his power to heal is he spent so much time dwelling in the presence of his father. And you and I need to spend time every day dwelling in the presence of our father, dwelling in the presence of Jesus. We're like batteries that need to be recharged. Uh, and it only works when we spend time with him. So uh, he set out that model from the very beginning. Luke captures it for us and means for us to note it. Uh, prayer is an essential part of cleaning house. Now, the other choice to all this is simply to be like the people of Nazareth, to say, no, 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 I grew up with Jesus. I've been to church. I know Jesus. I know what he's about. I've read the Bible a few times, enough of it. I kind of get it. I'll probably get into heaven in the end anyway. So I don't want to be bothered with all the weird talk about demons. I don't want to go out and risk praying for healing for somebody. I'm cool the way it is. Let's just relax. And you can go the way of Nazareth. But when we do that, when we settle for a familiar Jesus, we miss all of the, the power that he has for us. And we, we miss the miracles that he wants to bring about in our lives. I remember um, visiting a guy in the hospital um, a few years ago, a big, strong, muscular guy who had been uh, apparently attacked by a gang of people and he had gotten a brain injury, and, uh, and they thought he was, he was not gonna recover from it. And so when I went and visited him in the hospital, I would go in the room and talk to him, and it was clear he wasn't connecting, he didn't know where he was, he didn't know who I was. Uh, I, when I went back to visit him again, he didn't recognize me from the last time. It was like a concussion that wouldn't go away. His brain just wouldn't register, again, what was going on uh, or, or what was, who was around him. And so I would go in the room and I would, I'd speak to him gently for a little bit. He'd ask me questions. He'd ask the same questions again. And, and I realized I had, I had nothing to do as a counselor in this room. No counseling skills were gonna work here. And so I, I spoke to him a few kind words and then I prayed for his healing. And I honestly didn't think anything was gonna happen, but I prayed for his healing. And I'd go back the next time and I'd see him and he didn't recognize me. He didn't remember the last time. He still wasn't fully cognizant of why he was in the hospital. And I'd pray for him again. And I'd pray for his healing. Not with a lot of confidence that anything was gonna happen, but I prayed for his healing. And this happened several times. And we weren't seeing any marks of improvement. I didn't see him on a gradual climb back to health. I thought he was gonna stay that way. And the day came where I walked into his hospital room and he was sitting upright and in his right mind with a bright smile. And the first words out of his mouth were, hi, pastor, thank you for praying for me. I had no idea that he had recognized any of what was going on. He never once knew who I was. And all of a sudden, he was on his feet again. Not long after that, he was out of the hospital. He was released, and I thought I'd never see him again. That's often the case with folks. You know, when you visit them in the hospital, they move on to the li their lives, and you don't see him again. But uh, I went back to that hospital some months later, and I saw him walking in the hallway. And I said to him, hey, I, I never thought I'd see you again. What are you doing here? And he said, I have a friend who's in the hospital who's sick. It meant a lot to me when you came and visited me. And so now I've come to see my friend. 
And I had the sense in that moment that not only had Jesus cleaned house physically in his life, Jesus had cleaned house spiritually in his life. May it be so with all of us. When we dedicate ourselves to following Jesus, he chases dark and haunting things away from us. He restores us to health and to life. And he sets us free to go out in the world on a mission for him to do exactly the same thing. So let's go on that mission today. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you for healing us. Thank you for setting us free. Thank you for chasing dark things out of our lives. And we ask now that you would help us to recognize the power that we have when we put our lives in your hands. For anybody who's never done it before, we say it now, Jesus, come into our lives, take control, <coughs> take authority over us. We belong to you and we want to belong to you. So teach us your ways and then give us your authority to bring about your kingdom on the earth as you taught us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heal those who are sick. Cast out things that don't belong here. And Jesus, give us confidence to go about ministry the way that you did in your authority, bringing your love and your kingdom to this world. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.